Let's talk about Tulsa and the Black Wall Street centenary. Let's also discuss why the Black Lives Matter co-founder has resigned. What about the ethnic people of southern Nigeria? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. Make your heart like a lake with a calm, still surface and great depths of kindness. Lao Tzu. So I'm really pleased to be with you guys today. You know, I like doing these podcasts, but today is particularly nice for me because finally I get to have a break, even though you can't leave the country so much. Um, well, you can, but it's just really challenging and expensive. Um, but I'm actually recording today from Cornwall, and I've always wanted to go to Cornwall. And let me tell you, if you haven't been, you definitely, definitely should check it out. It's a beautiful place, beautiful place. The beach, in fact, I don't think I've actually seen a beach as, as wide and as deep um, as, as the beach that I was on um, yesterday. So, um, yeah, really nice place and got loads more to do. But, yeah, the, the sun's held out for us, or not even held out, it's, it's arrived for us because it's been missing in action for the last couple of months. But it's definitely here today, so hopefully you're somewhere enjoying the sun as well, um, Bank on Day weekend. So, yeah, enjoy it, enjoy it. You know, we're in England, so it could actually snow tomorrow. Stranger things have happened. But Tyson Fury's fight with with um, Anthony Joshua is now being cancelled or changed around. Um, He actually has to fight Deontay Wilder now, and his dad, John Fury, is not happy. He really wants him to give up the belt um, so he can actually fight Joshua in Saudi Arabia. But um, I don't think that's going to happen. So, so yeah, it looks like we're going to be seeing that fight, Deontay Wilder. I mean, I would like to see that fight again because Deontay... Wow, that was a that was a shocker. It was a shocker, and he 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 had many reasons as to why he said it happened. He was talking about there was something in the glove, this, that, and the third. I haven't seen any conclusive proof of that, but um, but yeah, it was um, it was an extraordinary fight. So yeah, I definitely look forward to it. I'll be happy to watch either fight, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think Deontay Wilder should get his chance to fight. So it's his. Um, it's his right because he, you know, I think it was 1 1. So, yeah, they're, they're due to go again. So, that'd be good. So, that's going to be in Vegas um, on the 24th of July. And now, um, Anthony Joshua has been ordered to defend his WBO heavyweight title against um, Usyk. So, that should be a good fight. But to be fair, I'm not really interested in seeing that one. That's, I mean, out of the three fights we could have, that's at the bottom of the list for me. Um, but you know, these are mandatory fights. That's his mandatory challenger, so he's got to do it. So, um, so yeah, hopefully Joshua Box is clever. Um, if jo- all I suppose for me, all I need is Joshua to box clever, win that fight. Because whether he fights Deontay Wilder or Tyson, I'm here for that. I want to see those fights, 100%. I've got no problem with either of those. So, yeah, good luck to those guys in the square circle. Um, saw, I saw a brief clip of um, the Barack Obama um, and Marcus Rashford uh, Zoom meeting. Really good to see that, man. I'm, I'll probably watch the rest of it um, later on today. But yeah, really, really good to see, you know, how far Marcus Rashford has come, man. Uh, you know, it, it's to think that he's only 23 years old and he's, he's actually made his mark on the planet. Um, in, in, in a really big way, a long-lasting way. You know, his legacy is, is solidified now, you know. So, nah, it's just really powerful. And for him, he said it was surreal, you know, surreal, you know, talking to uh, Mr. Obama from his kitchen in Manchester. So, so yeah, man, it, he's, he, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing, amazing young man. I look forward to see what he does when he's 30, when he's 40, when he's 50, you know. You know, sky's the limit, sky's the limit. So um, Naomi, Naomi Osaka um, made a decision not to speak to the media um, this, uh, the coming, for the coming opening, the coming French opening, actually. Um, she says that she wants to protect her mental health. So she's, I, feel, I think she's using her platform 
again to kind of make a point obviously this is going to draw attention to mental health stuff i mean i hope i hope that she's okay i hope this isn't um there's not any deterioration um and by her not speaking actually does help her with her mental health if there are any um, mental health issues but um but yeah I, I i think she's used her platform i mean she used her platform heavily in the whilst black lives matters thing was going on throughout 2020 um, so yeah, she's she, she's doing it again and again. This is another twenty-three-year-old. You know something about these twenty-three-year-olds. They're gonna, they they they're, they're really making some changes. Um, so yeah, very powerful. Twenty-three is the number <laughs> this year. But um, but yeah, she's that she's the Japanese. I mean, for those that don't know, she's a Japanese four times um, Grand Slam champion of of dual heritage. Um, and yeah, she's she's just really doing loads on the court and she's really using her platform for good. So it's really powerful to see. So, um, but I think there's a lot of people not happy the fact that she's not um, doing her interviews and stuff. And it is part of their contracts apparently as well for them to, to speak. Um, so she'll get fined for it, but she's, she's really wealthy. I think it's 14,000 pounds fine each time she doesn't do it. So it's actually nothing to it. And it's a worthier cause, you know, if you're bringing, all that attention to mental health by just not speaking. Good on you. Good on you. Also, this week we've had the um, the Billboard Music Awards. Um, Drake won Artist of the Decade, receiving um, he received it with his three year old son, which was really nice to see. You know, brought his brought his son on stage with him. Said that he's dedicating it to his son, um, and he's he's had a phenomenal. He's had a phenomenal career, Drake has. You know, he, he hasn't missed a step all the way through. So, yeah, he got Artist of the Decade. And uh, The weekend, he absolutely smashed it, got 10 awards. I know he was snubbed in an award um, earlier on this year. Or, yeah, earlier on this year, and he wasn't happy. I can't remember that award, but that he definitely made up for it on this one. He got the most, um, yeah, 10 awards. So, um, and then also Pop Smoke, who died in February, um, this year, age 20, he won um, five prizes. Um, his mum came on stage, Audrey Jackson, um, done an emotional speech and uh, collected awards on his behalf. So that was, that was really heartfelt and, and definitely deserved because he, you know, you can't stop hearing Pop Smoke's music um, throughout, you know, since he passed, you know, and he was really looking like he was going to be significant in the, in the hip-hop scene. And I suppose he is, you know, he's, even though he's not here, so... You know, good on him and good on his mother for making that speech as well. Um, the baby also won two trophies. Doja Cat also she won um, R&B Female Artist of the Year. Kanye West um, got top top gospel artist. Yeah, so um, so yeah, a lot a lot going on with the awards. It's award season. Isn't it? it seems like there's a, another award every couple of days. It seems, but um, but yeah, so they done really well. So hats off to all of them. And um, some other news as well. Uh, Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon's expecting his seventh child, so he's he's been very busy. He don't need no awards. He's having children. There he's of rewards, but he um, he is expecting his seventh child, and he's actually had f- um, four children within the last six months with three different women. Um, and the latest one is um, it's a, a model, Alicia Edwards, and yeah, so he he's been very busy. I mean, one thing's for sure, I mean, one thing's for sure, he can definitely maintain them, he's got the finances to do it. Um, and I'm sure these, I'm sure, well, I'm presuming that these women are all in the loop and, and all, you know, these, these are not like cheating episodes, it's my presumption, you know, with, with the kind of money um, he has and, you know, some people are into relationships like that with, with multiple partners. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, financially, everyone's going to be happy. And hopefully they're happy with the situation as well. Different choices for different folks. I know some people are going to be very judgmental um, hearing about how many kids he had in the last six months, but different strokes for different folks. What can you say? So on the history side of things, I learned about um, the ethnic people of South Ni- southern Nigeria. I've never heard of them before. I've heard about their story, bits and pieces, but they, I didn't have the name ethnic people. Um, and that's spelled E-F-I-K. So, um, so basically, uh, they've had, in the past, um, in the past, they had long-standing relationships with Europeans. 
um, which influenced their culture heavily, um, so much so they, they kind of they bear English names like Duke, Henshaw, and things like that. Even, even uh, dressing, you know, like uh, men and women from, from the Victorian era. So they were, the ethnic people were a big part of the slave trade. Um, and they, well, basically they dominated the slave trade as far as um, Africans' involvement. Um, they were the middlemen between African traders um, and the white merchants that came over on the ships, mostly from cities like Liverpool and Bristol. Um, and they basically negotiated the prices for the slaves um, and collected royalties from both sides, from the buyers and the sellers, basically, um, and helped with the loading um, of, of captured people um, on offloading and unloading onto the ships. Um, and also dealing with the, the foreigners, foreigners' food and provisions and stuff like that. So they were middlemen in the, in the, whole, um, the whole disgusting episode. <laughs> I'm trying to look for another word, but it's just, you know, the whole horrific um, situation that happened, which was transatlantic slavery. So, um, I mean, you, when, when I hear about this, I'm, I need to look into it a bit more, because like I said, I've only just found out about it, but... Um, I, I, it, to me, it's always been obvious that um, Africans were involved in, in slavery because Africans were involved with slavery before the transatlantic slavery situation happened. You know, people would, would, would you know, war with other nations and other countries and whatever, other tribes, and capture people and then use them as slaves. And then when they were no longer of use, they would send them back to their village. This is, this is my understanding of it. Um, but the, the difference is, is, I think there's a big difference between how slaves were dealt with once they left Africa, you know, by, by, the, um, by the slavers, the way they were dealt with and, and, you know, treated less than animals, all inhumane and horrific things done to people and stuff like that. I think that was the big difference. And I don't think these ethic... Um, the ethnic tribe, the ethnic people had any clue that it was going to be like that for the for the people that they were trading in. I, I could, I mean, their experience would have been would have been what they'd seen happen in Africa, which is, you know, like I said, slavery wasn't new to Africa. So, so yeah, but like I said, I I, I need to look into it a bit more. But it's it's definitely interesting. So basically, there was a um, there was a book containing eighteen an eighteenth century journal of an ethnic slaver. Um, and it was written in like pigeon pigeon English, um, and it was discovered by a Scottish um, mercenary, basically. And it was published in 1956, I think. Um, and yeah, it's titled "The Diary of Antera Duke." Um, so yeah, it's supposed to be the only surviving eyewitness account of slave trade um, by an African merchant. So. That should be a good read, you know, that should definitely be a good read. But as I said, I've never heard of this before, so I'll definitely be looking into it a bit more, for sure. But, yeah, interesting piece of history. And I wonder, I'm wondering, um, you know, because I don't hear about, I know a lot of African people, I see, you know, people, and you see a lot of documentaries around African people. I've never seen a documentary around ethnic people, so I will be looking out for that. Very, very interesting. But this week has been interesting, a bit historical in, in many ways. But um, you've had Dominic Cummins um, really trying to take Boris out with, you know, information from their time together when he was um, Boris's right-hand man, pretty much. But he's really spilling the beans. He, he was speaking to um, the powers that be for like maybe seven or eight hours. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch it, I dipped in and out of it, but there was a lot, lot of tea spilt, you know. Um, he spoke about loads of people. So, so, yeah, really some damning stuff, which I'm sure you, you guys are all aware of. But, um, but what really, towards the end of the week, what, what, what made me chuckle is Boris decided to get married in secret, which is another bombshell out, out of the blue but it definitely shifts the focus of all the accusations uh, Dominic Cummings was making at the beginning of the week so it was it's, it's kind of like it's like a game of chess in, in some ways you know um, but needless to say people are more talking about 
this secret marriage more than what Dominic Cummings spoke about. But when Dominic Cummings was speaking about his stuff before this marriage, that was every headline. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean I, I'm wondering, has, did Boris kind of say, look, you know, we need to do this now to shift the attention, or was it always planned to be now? Mm, it'd be a bit of a coincidence. But, yeah, interesting nevertheless. People will be talking about this for a long while. But I doubt if um, it's all of what Dominic Cummings has been saying is going to just go away because he, he's got married. They'll, they'll get back to business. But, yeah, interesting developments. But, yeah, that, that's definitely going to be one for the history books, for sure. For sure. So we're all looking forward to the 21st of June um, when potentially... You know, the plan was that potentially we could be, you know, all limits are off. You know, social contact is back to normal. Um, but the government has now said on the 14th of Ju July, rather, on the 14th of July, they will be announcing any um, changes to the 21st. So obviously, when the plans were originally made, there was no Indian virus, Indian variant. So now, because of that, they, they may have to change things. So... You know, I've, I've got a sneaky feeling that we're going to be getting back to some kind of tier system at some stage, and I really hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong. But in many ways, I can't see how we avoid it, to be fair. And like I said, this this um, pre, pre-announcement on the 14th allows them to collect data on what's going on, and I'm sure there's going to be some changes, not the kind of changes we like, but again... I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Um, I mean, the festivals um, are going for it as well. You know, at one stage, they was talking about opening up the festivals, but they've had to, a lot of them have had to cancel. Some of them still haven't. They're still waiting to see. But the government's refused to back the insurance for the events. So, obviously, when you've got thousands of people like that, you, you, you need these specific insurances. And government's refusing to do that. So... Loads of events have had to be axed for the second year running. Glastonbury's not on again. Um, Hyde Park won't be taking place this year either. So, and the ones that are holding out, I mean, chances are they'll be cancelled. But it's one of those things again. I say I hope I'm wrong, you know, because I'm I'm at the front of the queue for one of the people that want everything to get back to normal. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, this this Indian um, Indian variant has you know it's been low the cases seem to have been low but they're creeping up you know over time um and they're causing these spikes in various cities and things like that um but at the at this point i think they've said that it's 75% 75% of new cases um could be the indian variant you know so that that's quite a lot that that's quite a lot it's really taking over um taking over the uk so it's spreading, I think it's spreading fastest in places like Bolton, um, Blackburn, Kirklees, Bedford, Burnley, Leicester, Hounslow um, and North Tyneside. So, so, yeah, we really do just have to see. We need to take one day at a time, but, you know, while things are open, while the UK is open, hence, like I said, this is why I'm up in Cornwall, taking full advantage of what we can do while we can do it, because if things go back into the tier system we're going to be you know gutted we didn't take advantage of the, that the window of opportunity so so yeah and there is lots to do in the UK I mean I'm not a travel advisor but you know there are loads of things to see and do in the UK so I definitely take advantage of that um the government's also confirmed um that they it could become compulsory for NHS staff to have the vaccines um so I mean at this at the, at the moment uh, 10% of of the NHS have not been vaccinated. So only 90% have actually been vaccinated. So there's still a, a gap. Um, but yeah, it may be compulsory. Um, so yeah, but I think I think certain people in certain parts of the NHS, it must be compulsory already because you know there's people working with really, you know, people with weak immune systems for other reasons. You know, well before this. So I don't think it's a totally new thing, but I'm sure there will be some kickback off of the back of that, for sure. So I spoke about this before, the um, dogs that they're training to identify the scent of COVID-19, which I think is really amazing. You know, dogs are 
their noses are absolutely amazing. Um, the fact that they can smell an infection is blows my mind, to be fair. But um, they've now got the dogs correctly identifying 88% of positive cases. So, so yeah, that's... Um, they're nearly 100%, so that's going to be a, a new feature for sure. And, yeah, dog will be coming up to you and sniffing you and tell you if you've got infection. I'm, I'm wondering if they can teach them to... They should be able to teach them to, do, to, to sniff for other infections as well, which would be really helpful. You know, I, I would say don't stop there. You know, let's, let's get them helping us save lives in, in other ways as well. Yeah, Definitely. And in um, Toronto, I didn't realise this, Toronto's had 360 days so far of closed, you know, like their restaurants and stuff like that. They've one of the longest um, to be affected for indoor dining and stuff like that in the world. So 360 days. So we think we've got it bad, but in Toronto, they've, they've had an extended period of time. So, yeah, thoughts, out, thoughts and feelings out there for them for sure on that one. Um, and Melbourne has gone back into a lockdown, a seven-day lockdown, you know, um, which is, yeah, which is interesting because I remember reading how well Australia was doing. So the fact that they're having to go back into a seven-day lockdown, you know, this story just keeps growing, you know, it keeps growing, we're getting dips and waves. And, and like I said, my thing is when we've got the opportunity to do stuff, this is not a time for procrastinating. If you want to have a holiday, if you want to have a break, you might not be able to go where you want to go, do what you wanted to do, but get stuff done while we can because you'll be kicking yourself if by the end of this year things are not as open as we, we would have liked. So take, take full advantage. So unfortunately, this week we've had um, a couple of deaths um, of young people um, through this youth violence pandemic because it's a pandemic in itself, to be fair. Um, so on the 28th of May, a 20-year-old um, died from gunshot wounds in Hornsey. And on the 25th of May in Corby, um, Rayon Pencook um, died of stab wounds. Um, at the moment, they've arrested a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. My thoughts and feelings go out to both of these families. Um, and to be fair, you know, them, the children that they've, they've caught for the... Um, well, they've... they've, they've they're holding for the Corby murder, those families are ruined too, you know. Um, it's just it's just horrible all the way around, and it's a lot of loss all the way around. So, yeah, my thoughts and feelings go to the two young people's families that have passed more than anything, to be fair. Yeah, you violence, you violence. So, yeah, so, um, and, you know, going back to Marcus Rashford as well, um, on another note, going back to Marcus Rashford, he um, suffered 70 racist tweets um, sent to him over the past week. You know, um, you know this. The, 70 tweets, anyway. 70 tweets. It just, it's just ridiculous that, that people are still doing this this stuff. I suppose because they can, you know, and they can get away with it. But what really stunned me is that um, he said that one of them was a math teacher. So obviously he didn't hide his identity. He was quite blatant and brazen with his his racial tweets and um, but he's a maths teacher so you know obviously he's going to be dealing with people's children and uh, you know you can only imagine his his thoughts and how he deals with um children that are you know not, not white not white european you know um yeah really sad really sad and um hopefully Hopefully, because he's left his identity up, hopefully that he gets exposed for, for what he's doing and, and maybe his head teacher will take some action. That's, that's my hope, at the bare minimum. Um, but Marcus Rashford moves on, continues to do good in the world, as, as we mentioned earlier. And on, in July, he's launching his book club um, for young people. I mean, and the irony is, some of these people that are doing those racist tweets... Marcus Rashford is probably going to be helping them in some way, shape, or form. That's the irony, you know. So yeah, but hopefully, definitely, that teacher. I hope he um, gets exposed for who he is and, and what he really believes and what he does, what he's putting out into the world. Um, because I'm sure there'd be other stuff that he's doing that we'd we'd be interested to hear about, you know. Um, 
and yeah, following that theme, there's a uh, woman, I mean, this has been going all, all over social media over the past couple of weeks, um, woman arrested in Broad Street over racial abuse. Um, she was going at a, a, a pub doorman, black pub doorman in, in the city centre, Birmingham city centre. Um, but yeah, she was captured on, somebody filmed it on social media, it went viral. And yeah, they've, they've named the woman 24-year-old, um, from Worcestershire, um, and yeah, so she was arrested. In fact, she also, at the same time, the same period of time, she had also abused another man, racially abused another man, um, who stood in the pub as well, and she also damaged some furniture and whatnot. Um, and the police had her in custody, questioning her. She's been released now um, with some bail conditions. She's not allowed to enter Birmingham and the police are gathering witnesses, gathering evidence, etc., before they present a file to the CPS. So hopefully she'll be dealt with accordingly. I did see a, I did see a report on her and her mum um, saying that she's not racist and um, she was just drunk and stuff like that. At the end of the day, I think, I think we've all had a drink before. Um, you do do things that are... Um, things that you might not do if you was absolutely sober, but you don't turn into somebody that spews out racial slurs um, to people. Like, you know, I've had a drink before, and I've, <laughs> you know, I've had a drink before, but that, that wouldn't ever happen to me. You know, that, that wouldn't be something that I'd be saying. Um, and I think most people are the same. So, you know... You, you, you. Re I mean, they was really looking for empathy and sympathy because her name had been plastered all over the media. She lost her job, and things like that. So she was looking for empathy, which I, I just thought it was um, a bit much, a bit rich. So um, yeah, but I hope she gets dealt with accordingly, and you know, the full full extent of the law should be dished out to her. You know, and um, hopefully she will be the poster girl for anybody else who has those kind of thoughts and maybe she should just stop drinking maybe drinking is not for her if that's what it turns her into so um this so th this has been going on for a couple of weeks now this um white van abductions um you know incidents in in enfield um we spoke about this on a couple podlub cast back um yeah in enfield and recently there's been some suspicious incidents in Bromley and Croydon. So, you know, I mean, well, what's, what's happened off of the back of that? On Twitter, on the 26th of May, Superintendent Andy Britton um, confirmed that he's aware of the concerns and the anxiety caused over the attempted abductions circulating on social media. He spoke about um, the reports being investigated by the South Area CID um, and but at this time, there's no evidence supporting any of the allegations of attempted abduction. So, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm watching this stuff carefully because, you know, talking about abducting children in the van, this is sinister, to say the least, sinister, to say the least. Um, but in Enfield, you know, a couple of weeks back, they did arrest a man and a woman. Um, and they are, have been arrested on suspicion of attempted child abduction um, following the, the suspicious incident involving the white van. Um, and they've both been bailed um, to return in to return mid-June. So, yeah, we, ju we just have to see what, what, what comes of that. But there is a lot of talk going on about this, a lot of um, people, you know, rallying together and patrolling the streets and making sure kids get home safely, which is absolutely noble. I mean, my, my thing is, I, I really want to hear what's going on and, and what the truth is. And I'm, I'm really surprised. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen it on mainstream TV, mainstream news. And I don't know if that's because um, they haven't been able to substantiate um, what, they've, what they've found or, or what's, you know, what's been said and what's going on on social media. But there's so much going on around it on social media. It is causing issues for you know, for our community, you know, we, 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 we don't want to be, we, do, we, I suppose we're feeling like, some of us are feeling like um, it's not getting enough attention, you know, um, and if it is happening and, we, and the attention is not being given, 
then questions need to be asked. What, what, what is that about? You know, but like I said, we need to find out what's actually happening first of all. But for the super a superintendent to to put that on Twitter, um, you know, obviously they're they're aware of it and all of that, and I've, I, it's not something that's being hidden or anything like that. So so yeah, but definitely watching that, and you know, obviously we need to look out for our children. You know, whether there are children or not, we need to be very um, observant when we're out. You know. We can't be walking around with our heads in the cloud, especially with summer coming up, more people on the street, countries opening up a bit, etc. So, um, so yeah, unfortunately, in Stoke, um, uh, there was a racially aggravated assault of a 12-year-old boy walking walking home alone, um, and he was basically approached by by four men um, slash teenagers who basically racially abused him um, and then tripped him over, punched him in the face. Um, yeah, the offenders are described as being like in their late teens at least. But can you imagine how this child must, a 12-year-old child, a 12-year-old boy, you know, being racially abused and physically, you know, attacked like that. Um, that must have been so frightening. So I, I hope, I hope and pray that they, they, they get these people um, quickly. You know, because like I said this is a child. It's not even. I mean, it'd be bad enough if it was a if it was a grown grown man, um, but you're talking about a child, a 12 year old child. You know, primary school, maybe in his first year of secondary school. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's what's happening up in Stoke. It's really sad to kind of read that kind of stuff. To be fair, um, also a former head um, of. Corporate communication at Cleveland Police has been charged with making um, indecent images of children. His name is um, Will Green, 42-year-old. Um, resigned from his position, obviously, um, earlier, earlier this year after being arrested um, with those charges. Um, yeah, so criminal proceedings are happening. But, um, yeah, he was, he was a serving police officer at the time. And, yeah, 42-year-old. It's, I mean, the irony, like corporate communications, the fact that he's in communications, he was in communications for the police, and he's out there making indecent images, which obviously would have been communicated to, yeah, just repugnant. Um, yeah, madness, really. Um, a, and also a serving officer, metropolitan police officer, um, sentenced to, um, for indecent images also, um, Detective Constable Paul Allgood, 60 years old, from Enfield. Um, he was attached to the MPS Economic Crime Unit, but he pleaded guilty to three counts of making um, and possessing indecent images of children. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't get it. Like, well, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's just disgusting, repugnant. I mean, there's, they need to. They need to really. I'm just glad that they've caught them. That, that's 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 the plus that they've actually found these people and they've convicted them. Um, so yeah, he, that is his situation. He appeared in um, Wood Green Court last month. And but I, what I don't understand is how he got 22 months um, imprisonment for all of the offences, um, suspended for 24 months. I don't understand why you would suspend the sentence. I don't understand why he wouldn't have to do a custodial sentence. He's obviously out there dealing in these this this you know with this in in, in this disgusting trade, you know, which has victims, which are the young children. So why would he? Why does he? Why is he being afforded um, time time out in the community? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. That's that's. I don't want to say too much more on that. But um, yeah, it's repugnant. Um, yeah. So, German um, officially, Germany actually not German. Germany has officially recognised um, its colonial era um, genocide in regards to Namibia. So um, they've acknowledged committing genocide during the colonial. Um, occupation in Libya and have announced that they're going to financially 
um, give aid worth more than, was it like 940 million? Um, I mean, basically through that time, the German colonizers killed tens of thousands of um, Nihiro and Nama people um, in the early 20th century massacres. Um, so, so yeah, they, they, they're going to be giving some money back, which is good. It's definitely good. Um, the, I, th- I think there is... Uh, I think the people were expecting more. They're, they're, they're not happy with the amount. Um, but, you know, at least this is a start. Who knows? But at least this is a start. And maybe this will let other countries, other nations that have had a part to play in such things and think about how they give recompense for it as well. Um, so, yeah, so the the foreign minister, Heiku Mass, um, said his country um, was asking Namibia victims and descendants for forgiveness. Um, but like I said, the activists there are saying that this is not enough to address the suffering that was inflicted. And to, at the end of the day, to be fair, no amount of money is going to... Um, Deal with the what's 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 actually happened. You know, it's never going to be enough. So, but it's a start. It's a start. So Patrice um, Colors, who was the black founder, uh, Black Lives Matter co-founder, she's resigned. Thirty-seven-year-old um, activist um, who you know, there's three three women who who started that off, and yeah, her basically her finances came under scrutiny last month. They started talking about her. The amount of homes she owns. I think she owns four homes. Um, so for the back of that, she's decided to resign from the movement. Um, obviously, the Black Lives Matter movement started just from a hashtag in 2013, and as as we all know, has become a global movement. Um, but yeah, she's she's resigned. So this is quite interesting. I mean, this seems a bit extreme to resign because people are looking at your finances. I mean, if you're not doing anything wrong if you, you're making legitimate money from whatnot and I, I don't really understand why she's resigning to be fair I'd have to look at that a bit more but um but yeah she's uh said she's going to focus on her forthcoming second book um the an abolitionist handbook and she's got some tv development deals with warner brothers and um, highlighting black stories so so yeah um but she's obviously got a reason she, I mean I don't think it's going to stop people scrutinizing their finances you know so but yeah that's her situation at this point so um the Tulsa massacre um where you know there were hundreds of victims um it basically happened a hundred years ago um near enough to the day um so yeah it's it's and it's it is it is logged in history as the worst single um incident of racial violence in American history um, uh, in U- yeah, in U.S. history, where basically hundred 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 years ago, after like basically white mobs rampaged through um, an affluent um, black neighborhood, um, had Ku Klux Klan rallies, lynchings, um, and it all happened on the thirty first of May, twenty twenty one. So literally to the day, um, but yeah, it was it was horrible. I mean, when you see the pictures and you know you read the stories and the accounts of it. You know, this is just, you know, an affluent, you know, well-to-do, you know, good-natured people living in their own community, and um, it ends up being destroyed, you know, and, and people died off of the back of it. So, yeah, it really, really, really sad. And there was, you know, obviously there was a lot of looting, you know, the 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 white robbers, the white mobs um, looted the businesses, stole all kinds of things, you know. Um and it was only it only went on for about sixteen hours, but they basically basically obliterated the area off of the back of that. Um, I think even play, a plane was involved, you know, dropping dropping bombs and stuff like that, or dropping. Yeah, it's just crazy. But um, but yes, yeah, hundred years to the day that happened. Hundred years to the day, so we we, we shouldn't forget all of the all of the people um, that passed away in that. Um, and that, again, that's something that I never... I mean, we're talking about the ethnic people. I didn't learn about the ethnic people when I was younger, and I didn't learn about Tulsa, um, Black Wall Street. You know, I didn't hear nothing about that. So it's good that these things are being spoken about now, for sure. Um, also, obviously, you know, we always talk about health, you know, keeping our, 
keeping our health right, especially our mental health. You know, I always encourage people. I've spoken to a few people over the past few weeks um, and, you know, just emphasize, uh, you know, speak to people. Don't keep it inside. You know, contact Samaritans. You know, if you're an older person, contact Samaritans on 116123. Easy to remember. I think if anybody's going through anything, you know, and you feel you've got nobody to speak to, you can definitely speak to Samaritans you know, 24 hours a day. And, you know, for younger people, you could speak to people on Childline if there's nobody around you that you could speak to. But it's, I think it's really, really important that we, we speak. If we have any kind of um, stuff going on for us, because it, it's a lot, you know, over the past 12 months plus, it's been a lot for all of us. But, yeah, if you're a young person, you've got Childline, um, 0800 um, And, again... It's, it's just important to talk. There's no way anybody should be holding anything in because mental health is a, is a real thing and it affects people in a real way. Um, and, to, and, you know, there's, there's, they need to update some of the information they have on, on mental health, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of data collected around this period of time. Um, basically, I basically found out the other day that uh, the mental health data on black people is like 10 years old. You know, it was last it was last updated in 2011, so that definitely needs to be updated um, for you know for people to be able to support black people and more effectively because obviously that's old data. So yeah, but look after yourself and speak to people definitely. Um, so yeah, we had the full moon just gone. I did actually plan to plant my seeds, but. It didn't happen. It was there was too much rain and wind, and it was all a bit wild out there. Um, but I so I, I missed it. But um, but yeah, it was. We we had that full moon, um, and we've got another one coming up in in June. Uh, we have one every month, as you know. <laughs> That's not any news, but yeah. But they, yeah, next one coming up in June, the strawberry moon. So um, but yeah, the the last one was amazing though. Um, it's kind of like an orangey color. And it was huge. Um, if you if you missed it, you can actually see the pictures of it online. Um, I think the, I think that one's called a, like a blood moon or something like that. But yeah, or a flower moon. I think it has different names. But yeah, but it was definitely um, looked amazing. Looked amazing. So unfortunately, we did another volcano. It seems like there's loads of volcanoes going. I said this a couple of weeks back loads of volcanoes going off in the world um, where people are living. So the latest one is in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, and it's obviously it sparked mass evacuations. Thousands of people have had to flee their homes. Um, so, yeah, um, and it's threatening um, homes in the city of Goma. So, you know, wherever you can give to support these people, because loads of people are going to be displaced, houses are going to be destroyed, you know, just like St. Vincent, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate. But um, these natural things happen. It's just unfortunate that we, we live in these places. So, so, yeah, give where you can, support where you can, for sure. My thoughts and prayers get to um, the people in the Congo. And hopefully there are no deaths. Hopefully, if there are, they're, they're minimal, but hopefully there's none. So, the weekly crypto roundup. Um, so, I mean, as I always say, I'm not, I'm definitely not a financial advisor. Um, and this is definitely, definitely not financial advice. But I do think everybody should keep up to speed with different ways of, of making money, of earning money, of um, different assets to invest in. And cryptocurrency um, is just another one of those. Um, but it's, it's new, it's exciting, um, and it's very techy. And, you know, not, not a lot of people know a lot about it, you know. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely sparked my interest. Um, but recently, uh, in the black country, a Bitcoin mine was found um, stealing electricity. Um, the police were tipped off. They f actually thought it was a, um, a cannabis grow because of all the heat. When they had the, um, the drones fly over, they could obviously see the heat signatures and whatnot, and that usually um, means that there's a grow house there. But, yeah, when they got there, it was a bank of, like, 100 computer units, um, yeah, mining for Bitcoin. So, so yeah, the, the game is changing. This, Like I said, the black country up in Birmingham, this is happening. I haven't heard anything like that happening in, in the UK. So, so yeah, something different. 
So, um, and also, uh, what's his name? The billionaire, Ray Dialio, who I really do um, admire his brain. Uh, I'm, I'm currently, currently reading one of his books at the moment. But Ray Dialio, um, he, he basically founded one of the world's largest hedge funds. And he basically spoke about owning um, Bitcoin now. You know, he owns Bitcoin. And he said it's a better inflation, um, has has a better inflation hedge than bonds. So, so yeah, he, he's in it. I mean, who knows? Him, him speaking about that, I'm wondering how that's going to start impacting the, um, the crypto market, the Bitcoin market. Um, maybe he's going to be like the new Elon Musk. You never know. Um, but Elon Musk and uh, Michael Saylor um, announced that they're going to be forming um, a Bitcoin mining council. So they're getting involved in in other ways. I suppose that that sounds like it might be around the um, around you know making it eco friendly and things like that. Because obviously we know mining for Bitcoin is really um, not really fuel efficient. You know, it burns a lot of electricity and stuff like that. So there are concerns with that. Um, but Elon Musk also insists that he doesn't control um, Dogecoin. Um, even though when he speaks, it does affect the price ridiculously. That I, I still find that amazing. But um, but yeah, he said he doesn't he doesn't actually control it. Um, but yeah, but he will still continue to tweet about it. But um, the Bank of Japan um, governor um, has joined in the criticism of um, Bitcoin, and that's definitely affected the prices recently as well. So there's loads of things going on always with Bitcoin, um, but and there's loads of stuff affecting the price. So it's definitely something you have to keep up to, keep up with if you're, if you're invested at all. Um, and also um, NFTs, um, Charlie bit my finger, that video which went viral years ago, we spoke about it last week, but it was just before um, it became, a, it was turned into an NFT and sold off. So it actually sold off that clip. We probably all remember it. Charlie bit my finger. Um, which is it's still funny. It still makes you chuckle. You're going to at least smile when you, when you look at that video. It is a classic. But um, it went for £538,000 um, when it was auctioned last week. So just from a little clip, and I think the clip was made because we was in the, I think it was during, was it during lockdown times? But basically, I think it was a video, it was made because the grandparents couldn't see the kids and so the family made the video. No, it wasn't through lockdown time. What am I talking about? Couldn't have been. Um, but they made it because the grandparents um, couldn't see the kids. They couldn't, you know, they just made a video for them to look at. And it went viral. And now it's sold for £538,000. Absolutely amazing. So you might have some videos in your, in your phone or on your computer that um, could set you up for life. Who knows? If you turn them into an NFT, we'll have to see. But, um, but part of um, the, the person who was successful in winning that, uh, the NFT, they also get the opportunity to recre- recreate uh, an hilarious modern-day rendition of that clip with the two boys that were involved, um, Harry and Charlie. So, so, yeah, so we'll probably get to see that soon, the recreation of it. I don't know who's... I mean, these kids are big kids now. I'm not sure anybody's going to be putting... <laughs> well, they're going to have to, but putting their hands in grown people's mouths and stuff. It's not going to be as authentic, is it? It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be like a spoof thing, obviously. But yeah, that's what they've been offered. Um, another NFT that is about to be sold is the Gorilla. Um, Harambi um, is the name of the Gorilla who, that's a Gorilla that died, well, got killed um, five years ago. So it's basically to mark his death. Um, he was shot in Cincinnati Zoo after a three-year-old fell into the enclosure, and obviously they had to they had to um, kill the, the the gorilla. But the gorilla was really loved by people and and the staff there, so they've turned that into an NFT. So we have to wait and see how much that ends up going for. But yeah, this is the new world: NFTs, cryptocurrency, blockchain. It's, it's all interesting. It's all interesting. So if you're, I mean, if you're not aware of that world and that stuff, some of the words, some of the things I've just said probably just went over your head. But, um, but it's definitely something to look and see what's going on because it's, it's happening. 
you know, it's, it's part of our existence now. And my thing is, you know, in regards to financial IQ, I think it's just important we just increase our knowledge and, you know, just understand what's available in regards to investment, passive in income, trading, all of these things, you know, definitely should be looking into them. So, yeah. So, also, um, I watched a, it's a good documentary, um, Black Lives Matter, My Fight to Protest. It's on um, BBC iPlayer. So it's basically about, it's a 25-year-old um, girl, um, caddy guy um, from Gloucestershire. So it's just about her experience throughout the Black Lives Matter time through 2020. And um, the, she was basically trying to get some traction and get some um, protests going in Gloucestershire. And she got come up against a lot of fight from the council. They tried to block her demonstration, um, threats online, abuse, etc., um, and obviously in Gloucestershire, there's not a lot of black people. So, so yeah, she, she was really quite isolated. It's quite an emotional watch, but it's definitely worth having a watch for sure. Because um, you, you kind of forget it, especially if you live in one of the main cities, Manchester, Birmingham or London, you take it for granted that most places are like that or you just don't think about it. But there are these rural places where there's like one or two black people. And, you know, if they're, if they're not around people that are... Um, you know, accepting, it must be really, really, cha- well, it is really, really challenging, you know, for them to, to kind of deal with that. So, yeah, so definitely worth having a watch of that for sure. But um, I really appreciate all the people that have, you know, you know, got some of the merchandise and stuff like that. Really, really do appreciate them. Thank you. Um, really do appreciate it. I have to say that because it does surprise me as well when people are so giving and supportive. Um, but yeah um, it's, going back to the health and fitness look the weather's you know it's sunny right now hopefully when you're listening to this you, you'll be sunny still get out there start enjoying you know get involved you know run walk swim climb do whatever get the blood going you know get the blood going and hopefully this this podcast has had some value to you some way shape or form and if it has please please share it with at least one person who may not have heard it or maybe they have heard it you know but please please share it um because i i enjoy doing it and um, i get the positive feedback people enjoy listening to it um and it'd be a shame not to share it because others might enjoy it too so thank you again for choosing pablo's podcast today and hopefully you can join me in the next one until then take care and be nice to each other thank you for listening to pablo's podcast i'm pablo from hackney And you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.